Today, we are joined by Abigail Petronelli, a former OBM Fieldworks student at ABA Tech and a Florida Tech alum. They are also an incoming PhD student at Western Michigan. Thank you for joining us today, Abby. No problem. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, Abby. Uh, we are glad that you were able to join us for this podcast today and kind of want to talk about you know your journey um, into behavior analysis and your experience so far, school and work-wise, and kind of where that's led you in this pathway so far. So why don't you tell us about how you entered the field of behavior analysis? Um, it was largely an accident. So I went to my undergraduate um, school was the University of Florida, and I was in the psychology program. And per the psych track, you had to take a behavior analysis course, whether that's the principles or applied course. Um, and so I had to take that. Um, and kind of around the same time, I was thinking about applying to doc programs in like counseling or like clinical psych, weirdly enough. Um, and I was like, oh, I need some like research experience. And I, you know, went to the page at, for UF's like research in uh, psychology and was like, okay, I guess I just start from the top and just start sending out emails. And the first one was for a behavior analytic lab. And I sent out the email and then I saw that in class the next day, that person, one of the grad students that led the lab was going to come in and present. I'm like, oh, let me just go like talk to this person maybe that'll like, you know, give him a face to recognize. And I went up uh, after his lecture and he was like, good, you start Monday. So largely an accident. And then, yeah, at, towards the end of that class, um, the professor who was a grad student um, had said, oh, you should, you know, try and get, uh, try and register for the lab class um, that does uh, like clinical stuff. And I was like, okay, sure. Why not more lab experience? And so it was just, you know, working in that lab. And then and I ended up, oh, I need a job. Oh, I can just work at the clinic that the research lab did research in. And then I, through that, through working through that, I was told about like OBM and hey, there's an OBM program at FIT. You should go apply there. Like, okay, sure. And it just kind of, you know, tripping and falling on and people being like, you should try this. And I go, okay. Um, like for Western Michigan, I was recommended many a times, uh, you should apply there. So it's really just a lot of accidental. You should try this. And I go, okay, sure, whatever. So it's worked out thus far. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't, I didn't know all that. Uh, it sounds like you, yeah, you had a passion for counseling and for human services. And then, well, I know a little bit about what you do now. So how have you applied your skills and knowledge of behavior analysis to align with your values? and your interests? So like my, in, like the counseling and clinical actually changed. Um, I was like, okay, I guess I'll do that. Cause that just, you know, you're a psych student. That's kind of where you go. And then two days before I took the GRE, I said, you know what, let's do IO. <laughs> so then I was interested in IO. Um, I realized kind of clinical and counseling was not really for me. Um, so I had kind of switched my gears and then kind of in saying that, oh, I was really interested in IO psychology, uh, the uh, professor of some of the behavior analytic labs was like, oh, have you ever heard of OBM? And then that's where they were recommending like, oh, we actually have an OBM professor coming in. You should kind of work with her a little bit um, as well as, oh, FIT has an OBM program. You should apply down there. Um, actually, the when I applied to FIT at that time, I had applied to like 
10 other programs, most of them in IO. <laughs> and I, the two callbacks I got were for FIT and one IO program, so. Very nice. I like how you refer to them as callbacks. They just make me think of um, plays. So, <laughs> so that was what you were applying then. So what sort of work are you doing now then? I mean, I guess research-wise, my interests have always kind of been in DEI. So even when clinical and counseling, that was my interest. And then in IO, that was my interest. There's been like a consistent, like, I'm really interested in this topic, just kind of what, I guess, field do I want to apply it in? And I guess with behavior analysis, you know, I noticed, and maybe that was kind of like, oh, do I really want to go through, go into this area? Is because it really wasn't and still really isn't too much work in it. Um, however, there is like a very big, like, you know, opportunity for it in that, you know, behavior analysis is to change behaviors. And that is something that I think DEI would do really well with is that, you know, not just looking at what is correlated with improved experiences for people, but hey, this organization or area or whatever is, you know, having these negative outcomes. How do we actually change that? And not just go, well, they're having a bad time here. Correlationally speaking, they should probably do this, but you know, what do we do with it? Um, so I kind of, it, it, it aligned itself well in that I thought the kind of methods that uh, behavior analysis takes would lend itself well to my topic of interest. Great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So, you know, obviously you chose the OBM program at FIT. What kind of other experiences, um, you know, field work research wise, have you been able to obtain during your time there? Yeah. Um, so I, largely speaking, the, the first year was the clinical experience. Um, that was primarily more so for like a job, um, but, you know, it also did help me keep within the field. And then obviously I went on to apply to, at that time, the IPT practicum for ABA technologies. Um, and I've stuck on, I'm you know, now a professional <laughs> development specialist. Um, and I guess that's that's what I've been doing the last two years. Um, and kind of with ABA Tech, I was kind of finally able to get like more OBM experience. Um, Cause you know, when I come into the FIT OBM program, I had heard of it and kind of went to some labs that talked about OBM, but never had any like, you know, hands in like a process map or anything. Um, and, you know, I was given that experience as well as, you know, other kind of opportunities that wasn't clinical, which, you know, clinical work was just not something that I was very interested in and kind of did a lot as far as like burnout and whatnot. Um, whereas I haven't had that issue so far <laughs> at ABA Tech. So both with your DEI work and with ABA Tech in the, in the projects you work on, you've kind of found maybe not even found, but like created your own opportunities to, to work in what you're passionate about. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, I guess as far as if we're talking more about like DEI, like research, um, I think it was just, you know, when I went into FIT, I, you know, went in with an idea of like, I kind of want my thesis to do this, um, to, you know, kind of cover these topics. And I really started early on in my master's program, kind of reaching out, being like, okay, how does thesis work with the professors? And um, one of the professors had said, you know, some labs kind of more assign you one, some you can pitch ideas to. And I kind of just went around 
you know, pretty probably earlier than most people and just was like, hey, I'm really interested in this. Is that something you'd be interested in? And initially the kind of reactions were, I don't know, that sounds pretty complicated, um, which to be fair, it is it's a very complicated topic um, because I kind of just went in being like, I really want to do something on like TGMC um, topics and, you know, didn't have, you know, too much of like an idea or like a clear set idea of what to do with that. But yeah, and just in talking and working with some of the professors there, I was kind of able to, you know, I, they kind of worked with me and we were able to, you know, find something out and kind of proceed with that research um, to get, you know, <laughs> that ended up being a publication. Um, and then as far as like an ABA tech, I mean, you know, if we're getting into like the primary product I work on is the boost line. So test prep for uh, like people preparing for their ECBA exam and whatnot, and, or just, you know, testing to ensure that they, you know, have the skills, whether they take that ECBA exam or not. I mean, so that product was, you know, I had started, I think in May of 2020. And I remember that being brought up and I just kind of hopped onto it. Like, I think, I think the first time I, I jumped into one of the product folders was in July. So coming up on two years now and just, you know, I was interested in kind of just, you know, getting whatever experience I could, like, you want to do this project? Yeah, sure. Let's try that. Um, but I hopped onto that one and it, you know, was obviously a longer project that was going to become like a larger product line. I kind of just stuck with it. So you obviously saw a really great opportunity within like kind of hopping on this project. Uh, were there other opportunities that you were able to take advantage of and like hop on a project or even just in general, like saw that there was an opportunity to develop something um, during your fieldwork time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, I had, you know, come in with, um, you know, obviously with my <laughs> DEI interests and was kind of able to, you know, you, you know, think of ideas to kind of incorporate DEI as much as I could as far as um, like in the questions that we write, you know, not just sticking to there is a male client and there's a female therapist and they have very stereotypical, like, I don't want to say white names, but it just that just just a very like more of a variety of experience. You know, it's not just sitting in a clinic and where, um, you know, handing matching to sample. You know, we're talking about like, hey, like real life experiences as far as, hey, we have this kind of ethical issue of, you know, this client is maybe doing this behavior. and The BCBA is like, oh, I want to change it. And the parent is like, no, culturally speaking, that's not something that we want to change. And, you know asking questions and addressing questions of things like cultural competency or, you know, in situations which you may have a client that attends like a church situation or, you know, like a synagogue and, you know, addressing scenarios, looking at that. So able to kind of work a little bit of that in there. Um, it's something that I was able to continue to try and work on. Sweet. Thanks for uh, sharing a little bit about, you know, what you've been able to do in your past experience. So uh, we're curious, like, tell us a little bit about, you know, what's next. Oh, um, well, I'm moving to Michigan in a few months. So, um, so I can start my PhD. Um, I just hope to do more like DEI research there. There's certainly a big like need for it and a big, you know, the, the, 
at current uh, DEI like research is largely uh, speaking about, um, you know, kind of we need to do this and kind of doesn't get as much into like actual like um, like changing of behavior. Um, so just kind of working on that and looking at it through like a process level and and at, at like a performer level um, because I you know largely think especially with BSA you know, the idea that, hey, if you put a performer against a bad system, the system always wins is something that does resonate in DEI and kind of taking, you know, what you learn within behavioral systems and kind of applying it to targeting DEI topics, you know, beyond just an organization, but, you know, kind of in day-to-day -day life. What's the name of your thesis so that we can, we can look for it. We can even include a link. Yeah, so my thesis is into inclusion. Um, Increasing trans inclusive practices via self monitoring, I think is the technical name. Um, obviously, when I submitted for FIT, it was a different name, um, but it's Petronella and Ferguson 2022. Um, yeah, I have another paper that just kind of largely speaks about like moving forward with like LGBTQ plus topics in behavior analysis. Um, uh, Conine, uh, Compo, and Petronella 2021. Um, that kind of gets into some more um, topics related to how people should move forward in terms of studying DEI issues and behavior analysis, particularly as it relates to like LGBTQ plus population. So where do you see the field going and or where would you like it to go? I guess where I see it going and kind of also where I would like it to go is kind of looking at, you know, different topics. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of research within clinical realm. And I know there, you know, and there is, you know, the JOBM and are looking at, you know, in organizational settings, but I, I feel like I would like it. And I think it is moving towards kind of more varied research. You know, we talk about behavior analysis being able to be used for anything and address all types of problems, but, you know, we're kind of, we kind of have a comfort zone that we're sticking into. And I think just kind of branching out of that because, you know, the ability to like change a behavior and change something, I think is something that would be very useful in terms of kind of any kind of topic, whether that's DEI or sports or esports or otherwise. So I think just expanding that, you know, kind of where the principles are being applied is where I would like the field to go. Um, I think where the field should be moving into, and I believe it it will, I think maybe at a slower pace, um, is I think listening to whether this is a clinical or in OBM or anything, listening to the, what clients are saying more. Um, I think people can, you know, oh, I am listening to the clients, but I think sometimes it can kind of get washed up in the idea of like, but I'm doing this to help them. And I think sometimes when you do that, you maybe aren't listening as much as maybe you think you are. And there may be, there may be tar targets to look at that would be more beneficial to a client than maybe what a behavior analyst is maybe thinking of. And I think just, you know, going forward and just kind of listening and kind of taking a step back when somebody says, Hey, here's my, critique, here is kind of my issue here, uh, you know, not just going, um, actually, and, you know, arguing back is to just take a step and listen, you know, I, I know sometimes, especially in the, with the critiques of behavior analysis, 
that there are, you know, where you're talking to somebody and you're like, okay, they're not really understanding this field more broadly, but I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything they have to say is incorrect or invalid. And, you know, it should be something that you are open to listening to and something that, you know, you maybe, maybe need to change to become a better practitioner and ultimately serve your clients because that is the goal to serve and help the clients. And I think sometimes, you know, it's easy to say I'm doing this to help them, but I think that mentality can get you into some tricky and kind of maybe even unethical situations. Yeah, I like that you mentioned, you know, really that active listening skill. I think for many practitioners who are so excited about the field of behavior analysis, you know, we really want to disseminate and we want to share and we have a lot to share. Um, but it really is important to sometimes just take a step back and listen to what others also have to say, especially our clients. You know, that's really important. And I feel like, you know, we, as much as we emphasize it a lot, it's not always carried on practice. So I, I do like that you mentioned that. And that's something that, you know, all of us can continue to work on. All right. What are your interests and values and how does behavior analysis help you achieve those? So I would say kind of within my interests and, you know, values with that is particularly my interests are within DEI because, you know, I want, you know, people to, you know, have like improved experiences, whether that's, you know, walking around day-to-day life, that's within an organization, that's within the treatment they receive at, you know, in a clinic, whatever type of clinic, I don't even, you know, not just ABA, um, to just improve their experiences and being able to change that, you know, I, in, you know, kind of reading some of the stuff that talks about that kind of outside behavior analysis, you know, I see all these things that are like, you know, if you have these, this kind of setup, this is how this can, you know, correlate with improved outcomes for these people. And this can, you know, really improve their, you know, their experiences. But, you know, how, how do you address like a bad situation that isn't doing, that doesn't have those things and being able to change that um, and just, and just kind of setting up something where somebody can have the better experience and, and, you know, whether that's, you know, and not like not be discriminated against and, you know, be included and, you know, and, and whatnot. And I think, you know, behavior analysis, you know, it, with it being able to, hey, let's, manipulate the environment let's you know let's change a behavior here I think you know that really lends itself well to that area of study and being able to be like hey you have an RBT or whoever experiencing burnout hey these kind of things are correlated with improved outcomes for people in organizations but okay well let's take those because I think you can take the ideas that you know other disciplines talk about that are correlated with improved outcomes let's take those and apply these things to this you know, not so great environment that's not so great workplace to improve, to reduce their experiences, burnout and whatnot. So I think behavior analysis really just lends itself well to that kind of area of just improvement of the individual and, you know, by extension, a larger group experience. So I really just want to ask, because I think anytime we have another student on this podcast, it's really beneficial to hear this from other students. Um, if you Do you have any advice for other students in the field who are maybe already in the field or entering the field? Um, yeah, any advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would primarily be 
you know, kind of be open to different experiences and projects. I mean, my first ABA lab was kind of looking at like risky behaviors and then it was clinical and then it was OBM. I even helped with like a weather study and behavior analysis. Like, you know, they're all like, you know, very different things, but you know, it helped kind of narrow, you know, oh, I'm really interested in this. Oh, I like this. Oh, I don't like this. Kind of helping guide your own interests as well as kind of making connections with people, you know, in working with the clinical lab uh, out at UF um, and kind of I would attend like the grad students meeting and be the only undergrad there. So it was a little awkward, um, but, you know, in doing that, there would be like, hey, like, you know, this OBM person's coming in, you should, you know, get into contact with them um, and maybe you can start helping out with in their lab. And I was able to do that. And they were, you know, recommending like, hey, you should apply to Western Michigan. I mean, at that time I did not, but, you know, <laughs> now I'm going there. So, and just, you know, you know, they were talking about the like FIT program and, you know, wrote me, you know, a letter of recommendation to help me get there and just, I guess, being open to different experiences and, you know, kind of being able to like make those connections don't necessarily be as rigid as far as I want to do this and only this. And that's where I'm going because I mean, if you, if you were been like five years ago, Abby, what do you think you're going to do in five years? It would not be this. <laughs> so I think just being open to that um, as well as, you know, kind of on the opposite end, just if you're going in uh, with something with maybe research in particular is what I'm thinking of is if you have like a topic you're passionate about to really try and, you know, push with it and, you know, think of ways to do it. And, you know, if you present it to somebody with like, Hey, I have some ideas for tackling this topic. I know it's kind of unconventional, but here's kind of what I'm thinking of. They may be more open to, you know, helping you achieve that research goal. Cause you know, especially with the thesis, you, it should be on something you like to do and love to do. Um, because obviously at, any, at, at some point in your thesis or whatever research, you're going to hate it a little bit. So it makes it easier to bounce back from if you love the topic. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess, my advice. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, awesome advice. <laughs> Thank you, Abby, for chatting with us today. Join us for our next episode as we discuss other ABA and OBM students' journeys to entering the field of behavior analysis. Student Perspective Podcast. <laughs>